Kia ora, I'm Bernard Hickey and welcome to my daily podcast that goes out with an email newsletter to paying subscribers via Substack. And uh, that Substack's called Bakaka. I look at housing unaffordability, climate change inaction and child poverty reduction through the lens of what's happening in Aotearoa's political economy. And I try to keep an eye on what's happening with housing because my view is it's at the core of most of our issues in our economy, in our society and with our environment. If we can solve the issue of not enough warm, dry homes that are climate efficient, then we solve many of our problems uh, with uh, affordable housing, unsafe housing, child poverty, and also reducing our climate emissions. To do that, we need to build lots, I mean lots, <laughs> hundreds of thousands of medium density homes. These are one, two, three, three bedroomed apartments often or townhouses that are close to the centres of big cities and towns where people can essentially walk around or cycle or uh, um, use uh, efficient electric vehicles to, uh, um, to do their thing. And with those new homes, which are much more energy efficient, uh, you're able to reduce your carbon emissions, both from the home and from transport, and you're able to make them warmer and drier and avoid tens of thousands of kids turning up at A&E with skin infections and chest infections and reduce some of the financial stress, social stress on so many parents. Remember, we currently have more than 400,000 New Zealand households who don't have enough money to pay the rent or to buy enough food. We have $4 billion a year worth of taxpayers' money being paid in subsidies to people for their homes. And we have well over 400,000 people who have to use food banks. And demand for those food banks has tripled over the last two to three years. And that's because uh, we don't have enough housing, our population's growing too fast, and we haven't built enough infrastructure to go underneath that housing. Now, one of the main hopes to try to solve that housing supply issue and to get new homes built in the right place of the right size and at the right cost was to try to extend and improve the densification of our housing, particularly in our biggest cities. And the leading light in that has been in Auckland and Christchurch over the last decade or so for a bunch of different reasons. Obviously in Christchurch, there was the earthquakes and much of the centre of the city has had to be levelled and some of it's been replaced with higher density, sometimes high rise, sometimes low rise, townhouses and multi-storey apartments. But not enough for the population growth in Christchurch and obviously replacing uh, existing housing stock as well, so it's not a net increase that's massive. However, uh, even though it's not enough, it still was better than what we were seeing in the rest of the country, certainly between 2012 and 2017 or so. And that meant that Christchurch's housing affordability, both for buyers and for renters, 
improved relative to the rest of the country. And that made it more attractive for people to go and work there. And that's been one of the key um, messages for employers in Christchurch, that you can get affordable housing that you might even be able to buy and start your families um, because there's been a surplus of housing. And so that led to the um, push to try to improve densification. And the best example of that was in the Auckland Unitary Plan debate, 2015, 2016, which eventually uh, led to new standards for Auckland's new unitary plan, which um, allowed denser types of housings in some places. Now there were a whole, there was a whole chunk of the city, what I called the leafy suburbs in a ring around the CBD. So we're talking Parnell, Rimiwera, Mount Eden, uh, um, Ponsonby, Grayland, Hearn Bay, where um, we, the, the rules were written so that it was still very difficult to build lots of three, four-storey um, homes on transport routes and close to bus stations and train stations. But that outside that ring, in places like Teatatu, um and on a hunger, um, green, green Lane, those sorts of places, you are seeing more uh, dense uh, housing developments, and that's been very positive. So, um, towards the middle of 2021, National and Labor did something incredibly unusual. They got together and decided to effectively turbo boost the National Policy Statement for Urban Development, which in many cases, in many ways, was a follow-on from the Auckland Unitary Plan, which tried to um, encourage and force councils to encourage a lot more densification uh, right across uh, our cities and towns. This caused an enormous blowback, um, particularly when the um, turbification, tur turbo version, uh, called medium density residential standards, um, essentially tried to do a run around the RMA and allow people to build three three-storey homes on a regular suburbs without a resource consent. And so uh, NIMBY groups, um, residents associations, jumped up and down uh, screaming to their councillors and the national MPs that this would um, cause mayhem, too many people trying to park near them, live near them, um, with homes that would tower over them and would steal their daylight. And um, though that reaction was in its own way turbo-boosted through the groundswell protests of 20, early 2022. And what we're seeing now um, as part of a uh, reactionary um, swathe of issues that people who were anti-vax have jumped onto in the wake of the, um, the end of the vaccination program. So all around the world now you're seeing these sorts of uh, campaigns against uh, obviously um, uh, issues around the trans um, area. Um, you're also seeing, of course, around climate change. And one of the things that people are really uh, jumping on in this community is the idea of densification of cities. And uh, the five-minute city is um, one of the areas that people think is some sort of global um, uh, Davos-style plot to, um, you know, socially engineer uh, people into uh, rabbit hutches and um, to take 
their double cab utes and trucks out of their cold, dead hands. So um, this is unfortunate. It's become part of the whole cultural war angle. So obviously on the weekend, National uh, backflipped uh, with a twist on the medium density residential standards bipartisan agreement. And uh, we've seen statements in the last day or so from various groups in reaction. The um, uh, the groups of residents um, who are opposed to MDRS, uh, my shorthand for them is the NIMBY groups. They won't like that, but um, not in my backyard is the essence of their argument. And they are uh, a hoop thrilled to bits that National has broken up the bipartisan consensus that for a bunch of people um, gave them hope that we might try and deal with this issue in a way that was friendly to the climate and might actually provide some affordable housing because they'd seen some of the early signs of it in Christchurch and in Auckland with the earthquake rebuild and the unitary plan uh, reject. Um, I know that there are Many people who, on the you know, densification side who also aren't thrilled with medium density residential standards. They see it as a blunt instrument that has rucked up um, a whole bunch of people who didn't necessarily need to be rucked up. And that if you stick to, you know, around bus stations, railway stations, along main bus routes, when you do your densification, you can often achieve as much, if not more, than pepper potting townhouses throughout cities. So uh, I get that, um, but um, what you're seeing, though, is it's just as much of a blanket um, uh, raw response from the NIMBY groups because they're saying now that MDRS should be dumped completely, that the uh, councils who are currently going through the process of rewriting their district plans to account for MDRS, including Christchurch, which initially <laughs> just refused to meet its deadlines or, or even change in response to the actual law of the land. Auckland has been uh, uh, responding in a passive-aggressive way, effectively um, penciling out large chunks of what I call the green leafy ring around the CBD and actually almost all of the route of the Auckland CBD to Mangere Airport um, line, uh, which again cuts out a swathe of the city from densification. And um, so um, these groups, uh, there's one in Christchurch, uh, um, which uh, has come out and said, not only do we need to dump MDRS and stop the district plans um, incorporating MDRS right now, but also we need to stop development on the fringes. And this is where it gets interesting because National is saying, well, we want densification and we want um, housing on the fringes. But their supposed um, allies against MDRS actually want no <laughs> building on the fringes either. It's an interesting approach. It says don't build anywhere near me and don't build outside the, um, the cordon. So just build somewhere else. Uh, if you can't do densification and you can't do greenfields, what do you do? And this is the irony here, that many of those same people opposed to densification and opposed to greenfields also love population growth and love the idea of uh, cheap Uber Eats and um, uh, cheap uh, takeaway meals and lots of people to... Uh, and be employed in uh, construction and uh, healthcare and nursing homes, but just don't seem to 
understand those people need places to live. And often they do find places to live. It might be in the back of a car or in a, in a boarding house, but that's where they end up. Other news today I thought was of interest was um, the Wellington City Council has completed its review um, done after the Loafers Lodge fire into just how many boarding houses there are actually in Wellington. These sorts of high density, pack them in, charge them out, uh, um, converted buildings, often you know large villas, apartment buildings that have been uh, set up with uh, rooms, no bathrooms, no kitchens often quite awful places. And it uh, turns out there's 25 of them in Wellington, high-density boarding houses and uh, um, lodges. And only 21 of them have um, building warrants of fitness. So four of them don't have building warrants of fitness, and we don't yet know whether or not they are all approved in a fire sense. This is an inevitable result of our housing and uh, poverty crises and it just is worth pointing out in the middle of this debate. A whole bunch of people uh, don't want anyone living near them and they don't want houses built on the fringes, but they want high population growth. And the end result is the likes of the Loafers Lodge fire and more than 400,000 people n not having enough money after they've paid the rent. In fact, some of them not even able to have enough money to pay the rent or have enough money to buy food. This is New Zealand. Fuck. So, uh, when you wonder why it is I'm... Uh, pretty grumpy <laughs> about the NIMBYs, uh, have a look through the detail that I put in the email today on those things. I'm Bernard Hickey. I better get back to work. And I thank you for listening to this podcast. And I thank also the paying subscribers who support the work I do. At the moment, we're in a bit of an experiment where I open up everything to everyone so everyone can listen to the full podcast, read the full articles, share them. And I'm just looking to see what uh, what that means, because um, my initial view was that people would not pay for things they could get for free. And um, that may or may not be true. And I'm just trying it out. So um, if you are, did you get, if you got to the end here and you're not a full paying subscriber, maybe you're a free subscriber and you want to support the work I do, um, just um, we'd love you to become a full subscriber. And then you have the right to comment on articles and also get access to chat, which is a very early version of this daily email in bits and pieces you can um, reply to and see on your phones from about 6.30 in the morning. Kaki te I'm Bernard Hickey for the Kaka.